I'm just one of many killers that's a part of the set. Y'all be talking out your ass like it's none of us left. You must be high than giraffe pussy. Hey, what's next? Y'all don't really want the competition taking the belt. I'd rather die than take an L. Y'all don't know how I felt. I be murdering the game. You just play with yourself. You kind of want to say my name, but you got no help. I believe in Mr. Chaos. I'm rocking the bells, but it's dinner time. Fucker, I'm going to help myself. I don't want one bite, bitch. I came for the plate because I'm hungry like a dude with no food for a day. I ain't really want to snap, but you rappers on the way down. I'm going to fight till my last breath. Never lay down. Hear you talking shit, but I don't care what you say now. Hustle till I hit a billion dollars any day now. I'm just on this podcast tip to hit a lick while you mumble mouth rappers on your knees suck a dick. Claim to be a fighter, but we know that you's a bitch. If you hoes ain't even writing all the lyrics that you spit. I've been putting in work, but y'all don't know. All right, we got to update that a little. I just hit, we talked about how we have issues. I just played the wrong fucking song. Oh, it, it happens. That was, but for those who are wondering, that was, um, that was Mike Farrell. That was the Chaos Theory, uh, Wins and Losses. You can get that on, like, I think he's on Bandcamp. Um, uh, he hosts the Chaos Theory podcast pretty good. Your shit was hot. That, yeah, that was. I was sitting there like, okay. <laughs> What's some bars in there? Yeah. So we'll get some new walk-up music. Guys, for those who don't know, I'm JP. Next to me is Joe, and next to him is I mean Joe, it's a he's a Boston stand-up comedian, but he's really been all over the place and he's had specials on all the networks. Uh Lamont Price. Bo, what up, everybody? What's going on, Lamont? I'm just chilling. No, I've seen Lamont live a few times. We we have mutual friends hanging out different times back down in the alley when when that was actually a thing years ago. Ah, oh, the and alley, I missed it. You know, but and I tell you, the style of comedy that he has could easily transition into a wrestling character. That, but well, well, I put him as a manager. He doesn't don't get in the ring, but he'll sit there and he'll kill you with his words. <laughs> I mean, Black Paul Heyman. There you go. Are you a now you're a big wrestling fan, right? Yeah, I mean, since you know, since I was little, um, over the past year I've been watching sporadically. My mind's been elsewhere. But like there've been like anyone really, there's been some gaps. Yeah. But I've been a consistently I've been a consistent wrestling fan since I was I six, seven, you know, like everyone really. I don't watch the current major product now uh, too often. Anyway, once in a while, I'll catch the pay-per-views and stuff. What I watch is on uh, Pluto TV. They have an independent wrestling channel, and I watch that. Like, okay. I check that before I check my regular cable. Pluto's clutch. Yeah, man. I, I like watching wrestling, like, like you say, the independent wrestling, or even back in the day. To me, it's kind of like the wrestling with heart and not for the art, if that makes sense. You know, they're wrestling because that's what they want. I see the guys on TV now are just going by a script and telling, doing what they're told to say. Right. And it doesn't seem like there's real aggression to the fights. It's just kind of like, hey, we're getting paid to fight. We're yeah. getting paid to act like we're fighting right now. You don't, so we're you just going to do it. You don't have your your Roddy Pipers, your Jimmy Snookers, your Sergeant Why do you think that is? Do you think it's because say, back in the day when there was the territories. Like, because if you think about the Attitude Era, right? That was a perfect storm 
of guys. They had a, a wealth of young talent coming up, right? But then you had guys that, like, you know, Stone Cold and Mick Foley and, 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 and uh, even Tanker, even though he'd been in the game for a minute or been with them for a minute. But these are guys who honed their personalities and who they are and what they're about from years of the – the um, what was I saying? What's the word I'm looking for? I just said it. The territories. You, you learn that way on the road, all that stuff. Now you got a lot of guys, especially like in WWE, who basically it's like, okay, you're going to go to wrestling college. And yeah. they never really have a – they aren't anyone yet. They don't know who they are, so they don't come off as genuine when they – depending on whatever their character is. They didn't have the years of the road and all that stuff to yeah. kind of grind that whatever into them to make them just become, I'm just who I am. Um, it just doesn't seem as genuine now. If you and fit the into ones, the cookie cutter shape that they have, then you're going to become that cookie cutter. Right. The ones that they do have now that have some road experience don't have like the international experience that the other guy that they had back in the day. Back in the day, you before you got even thought about getting signed, you had to hit Japan or Mexico. Yep. And that just doesn't happen now. And we get a question from the chat room over here from Josh. He's Yeti. He's one of the other hosts of the show, <laughs> taking a little hiatus. Uh, he he's asking, uh, "What you puffing on?" <laughs> oh shit, man! I got this. So I got this uh, yesterday. I've never had it before. It's it's called Humboldt Cookie, <laughs> and uh, so I'm assuming it was you know made somewhere in Cali, like a Humboldt County or something like that. Um, and the, I've never tried it. What I usually do when I have a strain of weed I've never tried before is I go on like Leafly or something and, and I check to see what it is because I've had experiences before when I was more, I had more machismo about it. And I was like, man, I smoke that shit. Give me whatever. I ain't long over here. And then like, you know what I'm saying? The next thing you know, I'm on the moon. And like, I didn't, I wasn't looking to go to the moon immediately. I was looking at like let me get to the let me let me cloud up a little bit. Don't take me out of the atmosphere. I wasn't ready to immediately go out of the atmosphere. Well, how did so you I like there? to check? Huh? Did you, how did you get up there? Did you get up there like Elon Musk and like a um? Were you riding in the Tesla or were you going up like Bezos riding up in a giant dick? I was in sweatpants, baby. Like I was up there. <laughs> now I, I'm gonna bet. Beg to say that, like this, it's you know, you said humble cookie. There's no actual cookie in it. No, I, I mean, I, I think there's a way. I think you got to like watch these um, shows they do on like Vice, where they talk about oh, yeah. how they make a lot of this stuff, like with edibles, how they kind of get the weed. You know, because when you when I first ever heard about like edibles, my dumbass is like, so you put some, you sprinkle some weed in the cookie dough and then you bake it. <laughs> no, it's not all about the butter. And all that stuff. So I think there's a way for them to take, I don't know, for lack of a better term, the essence of a cookie and put it in with, you know, as they cultivate uh, these strains. I mean, this is serious business. You have you know? essence. Josh, who said uh, up, likes to smoke some of that. Uh, he gets that Montana shit, though. Oh, you mean like from Montana? Yeah, yeah that's, that's what, what he, he is. Oh, okay. So it's that mountain stuff. That's what's up. And I just want to say what's up to Jay Buster, Randy Sean in the chat, and to uh, Mad Dog Matt Kelly, too, checking us out. Thank you, guys. Buster, it's been a long time, man. Now, Lamont, did you get any of your comedic styling or anything 
from watching the promos of the guys wrestling back in the day? I don't I don't know if there's a direct answer to that, but I will say that when it comes to the people that I sort of kind of looked up to growing up and a lot of what molded who I am as a person, which is really what you see on stage, because what you see here is what I am on stage. In wrestling names, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Macho Man. You know, the Macho Man just was this... He just looked like a dude who just like, listen, I can out talk you. I can I can fight if it needs if if this needs to happen. He just seemed like a person that like, you know, you definitely want to be Macho Man is certainly a big part of who I am. Later on, you know, obviously the rock. Rock is just hilarious. Yes. Um Flair. Flair, you know, I was always drawn to people who were slick talkers. When I was a kid, me and my friends wanted to be, we wanted to be like Ferris Bueller. We wanted to be Zach Morris. We wanted to be lesser known character, uh, Parker Lewis. Oh yeah. Parker Lewis can't lose. We wanted to be those dudes. And so anyone who was good at talking, anyone who was slick at talking and wrestling, you know, I mean, Macho Man was more forceful, but like guys like The Rock and those are like, I always... Definitely. Roddy Piper. No. Roddy Piper is another one. What a great, oh. what a great wrestler. Yeah, it does. You also can't forget Eddie Adonis in the flower shop. Yeah, oh, man, you're taking me back to being super young. <laughs> but yeah. Was Jimmy Hart his manager? Was, he, was Adrian Adonis Jimmy Hart guy in the I WWF? Think so. I think he so. Been, yeah. Now, who Flower was, shop. Who who was a comedian made you want to do this? Because like it takes a lot of balls to get up there and try this. Oh, comedian! I mean, I have you know my my sort of my holy trinity of comedians I point to when it comes to getting into the game and wanting to do it. It's Eddie Murphy, George Carlin, and Richard Pryor. That's those three. Those three. And I was a I was a comedy nerd. Like I knew I wanted to be a comic at a young age. Okay. I just didn't know how to go about it till a little later. But I I would listen anytime I got a little money. I would buy a comedy album, and I mean everybody. I listened to everybody from Eddie to Ellen DeGeneres to Dennis Miller to Bill Hicks to Bill Hicks Damon Wayans, you know, to Eddie Griffin. Like any anybody. I would give. I wanted to hear everybody. I didn't care who it was. I didn't care how much I knew them. I was the kid who, on the weekends back in the '90s, you know, they'd have um, on Saturday nights. It would be uh, Comic Strip Live. Yeah. Because um, we didn't have cable, so it was like on. It was you know syndicated around the country, but locally yeah. Yeah. here it was on. It was on Channel Twenty Five, and I would watch, and I knew who all the comedians were. On that, you know, Dennis Wolfberg, Paul Provenza, um, Paula Poundstone, like anybody that was on there, you know, I would I would soak up every and I go to school. You see when um, you know, Higgins Boy Higgins Boys and Gruber, like anybody, you know, so I got to do speaking of Paul Provenza, I got to do just for laughs in Montreal. And like after the show. We're hanging outside, and it's like, you know, me and a couple comics, Paul Provenza's there. And 
you know, Paul Provenza is a, just this legendary comic. He's been around since probably the 70s. Um, and I knew him. For me, it was like, oh, my God. Comic Strip Live, like every other week, Paul Provenza was on there. And the, now we're talking, and he's he's telling me, he's like, I watched his stuff, man. And he, he told me I was brilliant. And then, like, then we're smoking weed. And I'm sitting there like, if I got hit by a car right now, <laughs> I it's all worth it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this is it. That's yeah. funny. That, it's yeah. not funny that you're saying if you get hit by a car, but it's just how life circles. Papa Venza had this show about, I don't know, eight years ago on Showtime called The Green Room. And it was just comedians, like, talking about that. whatever. But it was like a green room atmosphere, but the crowd could see yeah. kind of... You know that if you find that that's all all that stuff's on YouTube. That shit is so dope. Yeah, man. Because I tell people about comedy clubs, I go as fun as the show you're watching is. I promise you, the show on stage is the second best show going on in that club right now. The best show is going on in the green room. Yes, I sat. I sat in the um, Joe. What was the comedy club behind Bosco Soda? On the oh. little side street there. Was that Nick's? No. Yeah, it was Nick's that was kind of behind the, uh, I, I the hotel there, right? Now, it's on yes. the side street. I sat in Nick's one night. Was. I was and there. I mean, this was probably in the late 90s. And like where I sat was in the back of the club, and the comedians were all sitting next to me going over their shit and like, they were calling each other out for stealing shit, like joking with each other. But it was, it was, it was more entertaining listening to them than what was on stage. We were ruthless, man. Yeah, you, I think you mean Warrington Street. That's the street Nick yeah. is yes. on. One a little side there, and then yeah, um, yeah. Uh, back, we say stuff. This stuff that comics will say to each other. That and and I'm not even getting into the whole cancel culture thing. Just years that we know that. The crowd won't under not that they won't understand it, but there's certain things that we'll just say to each other. Like we get real dark, you know, and we just go. We know that people just generally latch onto certain words for better or worse. They just do, and there's certain things you just can't that you just can't go. I can't explain this to you why it's funny to me, but there's a legitimate reason why it's funny to me, and um, but we just know that like. I remember years ago, I watched the documentary, not a documentary, but I watched the show that had the RZA on it from the Wu-Tang Clan. And he talked about how the Wu-Tang Clan has so many albums that will never be released. And he was like, because the world won't understand it. But- and I understood him. I said, I get that. Because there's so much shit that me and my friends joke about just for fun with each other that I know the crowd just won't understand. Oh, you know. Is it- we grew up together. A different little crowd, oh, yeah. the same time frame, same group, same within area, a block of each other, really. Yeah, and we we get that. There's certain it's it's and a lot of it could be like neighborhood based. That's or, true too. Yeah, culture based or way you or even <laughs> just it even could be the same thing said with a Boston accent is different than a said with a person with a New York accent. Yeah, same same exact no. words, but it's different. It's a different is it? Inflection. Do you think, I mean, you obviously now, you probably have comedian friends that came up in different parts of the country. 
Right. Do you think it was different, maybe harder or easier coming up in Boston where it was like, I mean, comedy's pretty renowned here, whether people realize it or not, like Jay Leno, guys like that. Oh, Boston is a uh, breeding ground of great comics. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, a, this is like, <laughs> for my travels and stuff, I would say the cities that come up in where you know the comics are going to come out of that city and be strong. And well, we'll just take New York and LAL because those are landing spots. Yeah. Um, Boston, for sure. Atlanta, Chicago, um, Houston, Texas, San Francisco, Seattle. This is just off the top of my head. Like, if you hear a comic is from that, those areas, you know, because the competition is just so strong. Right. Boston, look, when I started doing stand up, and the guys that were like the the legendary guys were you know like the Lenny Clark's and the and the, yeah. the late great Kevin Knox's and the Paul Nardizzi's and the Jimmy Dunn's, um, they were so fucking good that you in a, in a club like Nick's, club like Nick's is not for the faint of heart. If you if you're not ready for Nick's, Nick's can eat you. And I know there's places that comics perform where you know. Get a little soft. It's a little softer, more accepting, more listen audience. But you got to be ready for everything. And Nick's is one of those clubs where, like, you have to be on point. But the comics that came up in this city, it's a great city to come up, bit up, come up and get good in without having a constant spotlight on you. That's you know. So that yeah. way, when you break out, it's like, where did this motherfucker come from? You know, and you can get real good. Iron sharpens iron, or as they say, right? You know, I was talking to Jimmy Dunn earlier. Jimmy Dunn is one of the best comics in the in the world. And I told him when I started doing stand up, you almost made me quit. <laughs> because coming up my first year in Boston, I saw I thought I saw everybody. Like and everyone was great. And it was like, okay, I know I want to do stand up and I know I'm funny and I gotta see it all. So I gotta go to every show and I gotta make sure I see every comic. And I got to make sure I work on my shit. And I got to a point where I didn't feel I was as good as anyone, but I felt like, okay, I know what I need to do. I know where I need to go. I feel like I've seen all the great comics in the area. Um, because before I, oh, I started doing comedy, I didn't know anything about local scenes. All I knew about was what I saw on TV and what I listened to on, on, on CDs and stuff. And so I get I start doing setup in Boston, and I see Don Gavin, and I see Kevin Knox, and I see... Uh, Paul Nardizzi and I see Rich Seisler and I see like all these great comics and they're amazing and I'm like oh my god it's one haymaker after another and I'm just trying to like okay 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 but I got to a point where I was like the wave had I'd seen it and I'm right bet I know what I need to do to try to hopefully one day be somewhere near these guys you know I'm ready and then uh, I went to a benefit show just to watch. I wasn't good enough to be on this lineup. And I just watched. And then Jimmy Dunn went on. And I had never seen Jimmy Dunn before. I didn't even know who he was or anything. He They, they announced he just got back from like a year doing cruise ships or something like that. And he performs and he levels the place. And I just remember going, there's more? <laughs> there, there's more motherfuckers? And I was like, I don't know. I don't think I got it. I don't think I have the patience to sit around and just wait. I can't do this no more. And I almost, I, I mean, it wasn't a lasting thought. It was a fleeting thought. 
But in the moment, I was like, oh, shit. I'm never going to be funny. <laughs> now, with, with like, Bobby, who do you think, if there was to put a competition on right now, kind of say like the wrestling does, like, you, you know, they have those, you can, JB, what's the name of that show they did and you can win a contract? Tough no, like the ultimate fighter uh yeah tough yeah. enough but like comedy like, does that and I'm, i was going to get into that because there is something america's got talent always has community. they do that have yeah. you watched do you watch that um not really i don't so, really watch talent shows but i mean i know they're popular so the comedians this year that they had where there was two brothers uh, they're probably in their forties. They've already had a TV show on Comedy Central. I can't think of their name, but they were Sklar? Sklar? Yeah. Yes, they've so been the around for there. like thirty years. They're, they're like yeah. all time. And Josh fucking Blue. Disney Channel and stuff. And how Josh long has Blue. Josh Blue been around? Those kids doing American talent this year. I, got, I, I I worked with Josh Blue before. I Josh first Blue, saw Josh good. Blue on um, Com- uh, Last Comic Standing. Yes. But imagine being the the little comedian that's like doing that show, thinking you got a chance of winning the million dollars, and then Josh Blue's on there. Well, at the Sklar Brothers, you know what I mean? Josh Blue got some good ass weed. I'm gonna tell you that shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's had that medicinal before medicinal. Yeah. Medicinal, so. Oh, he got me. He got me <laughs> high up in the sky. To the moon and back in your sweatpants, you know, right? Bang, bang, zoom, baby. <laughs> that shit should have been called bang, zoom. <laughs> but like, I've been a fan of Josh Blue since, like Josh, like Joe said, the uh, last comic standing. And like, I've seen all of his specials. And so, you're going to tell me that Howie Mandel doesn't know who Josh Blue is? I'm sure he does, but you know? that's. I, I mean, I, and, I guess that's a. Like, I was surprised to hear that him and. The Scar Brothers were on there, um, but Michael Winslow was on. He was on it, like competing. Yeah. Yes. Wow. I work with that guy too. Oh, he's, it, he's a riot. It yeah. Used to be like it had to be the locals, it's not the local guys, but the, the, the up and coming guys right. that didn't have right. Oh, and that's I'm not against. I'm not against them being on it because you're playing for that million dollar contract, and who doesn't want that? No matter. But who also think about this too. You know. Uh, generations and memories and Michael Winslow was a big 80s star and you know I forgot he was in I'm, there yeah and yeah he, you know and that's what he, he did a, he did the sound effects yeah he was in all 800 police academy <laughs> movies and I'm gonna mess up the quote but he said something basically like I don't expect to win I just want to get my name back out there again that's the point that's, that's what I was gonna say that's what I was gonna say so people, you get back in front of a new base of fans, and now you're new to people. And his skill set, he's brilliant yeah. what he can do. Yeah. And there's I few mean, people who can do that like that. And, I, I mean, just being in front of, like, a million, that's a huge show. Being in front of all these new people, yeah, he's going to be hot again. Yeah. I don't see why he's not doing every cartoon out there. Well, the doing some the voice two, on every cartoon in the world. What's going to make him hot yeah. again is going to be people that are watching that Mother and daughter, father and son, where the parents watched him back in the day, and now they have an interest together. Yep, like I forgot he... age, let's watch them together, and it's going to blow up. Now, Lamont, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here. Okay, and I'm going to put you on the spot. 
Okay. We do Uh-oh. this with every, we do this with uh try to do this with every guest we have on. Now I know you're a big wrestling fan, but what I want right. you to do is off okay. the top come up with a gimmick, a catchphrase, and a finisher. Oh, okay. I have a finisher name, and I've thought about this before. I don't know what the I don't know what the finisher should be be though, but the finisher name is uh that'll do. So, like, my promos would be like, you know, and at the end of this match, I'll be saying what everybody's saying. That'll do. Right? So, the that'll do. I'm thinking double arm DDT. It's got to be some quick strike. Right? Like, double arm DDT or uh, shit. Even Maybe some sort of face, a face butt. Yeah, but I don't want to do the stunner because it's, like, it's like 800 version. The double on DDT kind of looks like you're putting a period at the end of that sentence. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah. Uh, my gimmick? Shit. I'll give you an idea. Seth Gillum from uh, The Walking Dead was a honey badger. And honey badger don't give a fuck was his slogan. So, Okay. Uh, what was he put a costume on? Like a honey badger costume? Yes. Yeah, he, yes. he gets the whole description of everything. He's going to have the little claws and the fur. But he don't give a fuck. <laughs> That guy has been in some great. That guy has been some great shows, man. The Wire, Walking Dead, yeah, Legends, Troopers. Yeah, that guy, man, he's fucking great. I know him from working all the Comic Cons at The Walking Dead. Okay, yeah, he's he's good. Oh man, all right. So gimmick. So my finisher that'll do double arm DDT. My gimmick. Maybe I'm a stoner. Or is that done? Is that done with Riddle? Is Riddle doing that now? Riddle's doing it, but it does. I mean, you're gonna do it different. Like Riddle's, Riddle's not coming out with a blunt in his mouth or anything. You know what I mean? All I right, I, I would do that. I would and definitely do that. Out, when you're done, you hit that D- double arm DDT. He goes down. You put your foot on his chest, and you pin him. And said, "That'll do." Yeah, take it. Take it in. <laughs> That'll do. Yep. <laughs> now, <laughs> you know now we need a catchphrase. The catchphrase. Now, what's the name? What's your character's name? Everybody goes by their name now. Yeah, but that's not uh, Yeah. Like, when I was growing up, wrestlers had day jobs. Yep. Yes. You know, this yes. guy is also a garbage man when he's at SummerSlam. <laughs> One of my friends on Facebook just posted, uh, what was your favorite working gimmick? What was your favorite career-wise gimmick back in the day? And it was like, you know, you had Duke the Dumpster Drossy, you had yeah. T.L. Hopper that was a plumber, and there were so many. Imagine yeah. you call. Imagine you you call to confirm your dentist appointment, and they're like, "Ah, oh, man, you're gonna have to reschedule because WrestleMania is next Sunday, and he's gotta get his shit together." <laughs> <laughs> what will my gimmick be? What will my my character be called? Uh, if I was in a, if I was, if I had a stable, since I'm the, I smoke weed. If I had a stable, it would be called the highest order. Uh, yes. That would be the stable. Um, and I'd be... Um, shit. Trying to think like a weed name and like a, yeah. combine it with a regular name. You, know what? you tell it like it is, right? That's what you yeah. do. You tell everyone like it is, so you're pretty blunt, right? You're just straight up blunt. The blunt, the blunt king. Hmm. Oh yeah! 
<laughs> I'm the Blunt King. Let me tell you something. Every yeah. night. Says, oh, yeah, you go. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna take a nap. <laughs> I'm gonna give away a figure if you guys don't mind. We're gonna okay. spin this wheel here. Lamont, your name is on there now, so. Oh snap! Uh, well, we're giving away this this week is the Jerry the King Lawler, um, Jerry the King Lawler Elite figure that just came out. Uh, I think it's a new figure, anyway. Now, as a guy, I'd like to visit because he's a big nostalgia nerd, and I'm a big nostalgia nerd, and I'd love to visit. He's got like a lot of cool shit. Like I shit my pants this week when we tweeted it yeah. out. And he actually liked he, the tweet. If we get the guy, we'll tag him in it, you know? Yeah, if they have a Twitter, I'm going to tag you. And once in a while, a few of the guys that we know will like comment or something, but for the king to uh, actually like it was pretty cool. That's great, man. Yeah, he's one of those dudes who's like, his prime was well before me watching. So, like, I only really know his stuff from... When he showed up in the WWF when he was older, right. and like he was like he had the feud with Bret Bret Hart. So you know, were you watching when he had his feud with Andy Kaufman, I was too. That would that was that's before me. I've seen it. Yeah, you know, like I've seen it in documentaries and I've seen it on like you know video clips of it and everything. But that was <laughs> before me. All right, we got a winner. Stop waiting for it to. Bradshaw M.W. Uh, Bradshaw M.U., sorry. Bradshaw! Obviously a wrestling fan. Yeah. Then I'll have to be his partner. Damn! (laughs) (laughs) Damn, this shit's good. Damn! (laughs) Yes, there you go. Today's episode is brought to you by DB. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything. From streets to the peaks, DB's gear is travel tested by some of the world's best athletes, adventurers, and creators. Over the past decade, DB has designed and developed, released and refined, the best bags in the market. With DB's patented hookup system, you're able to attach smaller products to your backpack, roller, or tote. Guys, you know damn well when you're traveling and you don't have enough pockets, there's not enough room in your bag, you still got something, just clip it on and you're good to go, whether it's going through the TSA checkpoint, going from the car to the hotel room, or you're you know backpacking through the Elks. We are teaming up with DB to exclusively offer your our listeners 10% off your next purchase by using the code POD10 or go into the link in our show notes. DB, it's time to move on. Time to get going. That's as you hit that fucking toe. Damn. Now, nice. What brought you into what made you a fan of wrestling? Do you remember? Man, I was a kid, dude. I, I just I saw people fighting for no reason and I was hooked. I was like, they don't even got, I don't even know why they're fighting, but it's enough for me. You know, and this was like, this was, we're talking like when I was like really young, so late 80s. And, you know, you'd watch it. And this is also when, so we didn't have cable when I was a kid. So anything I saw was like the WWF stuff on Saturdays, uh, the wrestling challenge, wrestling spotlight. Um, then, it, you know, but you go to like another channel, you find like a, some hidden gem of a channel. Yes. And it would just be like the, the AWA stuff and um, 
you know, just like wrestlers before they invented gyms. You know what I'm saying? Like you see those guys. <laughs> yes, where they didn't, with all they had yeah. was chest and arms. Yeah, that's it. That was it. It's like really Hogan's the, the Hogan's the, the vision of fitness that we're talking about Hogan's with them big ass Hogan. titties. All right, Hogan. <laughs> Hogan's the vision. He's the, what? I mean, it worked. It definitely worked. But you think back on it, and you're in that. I want to know. I want to be in that meeting when they had to sit around and discuss, like, okay, Hogan's going to be our guy. He's going to be our face. And there had to be somebody in there and go, but he's he's bald. Like, how are we going? Yeah, he was he's... bald. The best part about Hogan was he was bald, and he was the last person to know he was bald. He was the last person to know. <laughs> That's hilarious. He had the shit. He had the spaghetti strings hanging down on the side. And all this was sadness. Like, all this stuff at the top was sadness. And then the spaghetti. And I'm like, this is the fucking face. Wait, these, these, okay. When you, when you look at it, you see how like they grab a guy by the hair and throw him in the corner, and they always grab Hogan by the back of the neck. Oh, wait. Like, they had nothing to grab onto. And, like, why wasn't some heel ever out there and give him like the dope slap on the top of the skull? Like, come on, that would have been funny. Oh, my goodness. So fucking hilarious. Like, I, and it's not that he, it's just that you look at people and you see who people post. To be the vision of the face of something that's usually some, you know, image. And you got this Hogan guy. He's the guy. And he's like, he's, he's in shape, but really easy. You know, not one set up. And, um, and you know, he's got the arms right, but they, the arms are just, like, specifically here. rest of that shit is a mess. And then, you know, the chair, you got the titties. And then the spaghetti. And it's like, no way would, if Vince had to do that today, there's no way. No, no, no. Now you need it. a six pack, maybe an eight pack. Yeah, I tell them I have at least a thirty pack, maybe a keg, but they don't buy it. So I got a washboard; it's just dented. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, now it's it, yeah. it is like there's not there's not that big wrestler now. Now these guys are, you know, a tall guy in the WWF now is six foot six two six three. They get they're big guys that come. Mm-hmm. But then they don't. I don't. I feel like a lot of times they don't know. Like Braun Strowman, yeah, that's a yeah. big boy. But they didn't know what to do with him, right? And he was massively over, yeah. But I, they just kept booking they, him to lose to Roman, yeah. Because and I think Roman's- ultimately, I think it's eighties booking. I think that's like eighties Hogan booking. I remember listening to a podcast. I think it was Cornette, and he was talking about how WWF used to build it. WWF was like the face is the champion. And he just vanquishes all comers. And then NWA was like, the heel would be champion, like Ric Flair. And the story was in the face chasing the championship. Yeah. And that might be the better that. story. And I feel like with what they're doing with, well, not, they've changed up with Roman. I, I like what they're doing with Roman now. But for a long time, they were trying to make it where, like, Roman, kind of like Cena, where it was, like, the face champion. And he would just take one, he would knock out one, heel after another. It becomes like the ultimate challenge and he wins eventually. Like Good triumphs over evil, that kind of thing. And it, it, with that, it's almost like back in the day where WWF back in like the late 80s, early 90s kind of ruined the product and where they broke the kayfabe. Because 
you had kids like me growing up, JP as well, rooting for the bad guy. Well, you're yep. not supposed to root for the bad guy. But we're like, no, we just want to see somebody else get the belt because we're sick of this guy. Right. I love you know? Piper. I love Dorndorf. How many times can two? Yeah. Well, well, and speaking of back in the 80s, we got to pay our respects to beautiful Bobby Eaton. He passed beautiful away Beautiful Bobby. Night. There was like three wrestlers. He was definitely the bigger name that all passed away within two days this week, which is like just. Yeah. Who are the others? Soon. I that. You're gonna put me on the spot, and I forget. That all name. right, no, 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 okay. I do. I uh, it wasn't anybody like they were all AWA guys, I believe, and I wasn't an AWA guy. Okay, but yeah, they, it's um, man, they're not old. Yeah, nah, they're not. Old. But when you're going back there, you, you're wrestling 340 days of the year, right? And you're taking those chair shots to the head, and you're taking those bumps. Like yeah, like you know, wrestling is scripted for sure, but they're this none of nothing about it is fake. Yep. You know, the only thing that's fake about it is the outcome. Right. This, this, it's a predetermined it. outcome. You got but they guys, set the match. Like the top rope, if you're standing on the floor, is a good nine feet high. Yeah. Yeah. You won't see me up there. Guys jumping off that, doing <laughs> a flip, landing on somebody on the floor, it it hurts. You know, we, yep. we were at a, JP and I were at a show about a little, right before COVID hit, and we're sitting there and we're going with the gimmick. We had to run in the ring because we had the two big goofy guys that can kind of break Security. it up. And you know, JP takes chair shot because he has to he has to let it roll. That I didn't and know I saw was that coming. And I was like, see you later. I duck and run. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, my my kid, a guy that I've known, like we grew up in Southie together. I've known Joe since we were we were playing. Uh, house league basketball together yeah, when we were 10 years old he leaves me hanging literally i just <laughs> had a chair I, this well, wasn't a planned spot i wasn't supposed to have a chair swung at me i have a chair swung at me it connects i drop to the ground to make it look okay and joe runs i i know i hit the deck i rolled down i said you're good Oh, that's the storyline waiting to happen. You guys, yeah, friends for years. I, Tight. I, I, I did what I saw on TV my whole life. I was about free just standing out there with my hands up saying, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. The scene promo, they were the best. They were the best of friends. And then, and then <laughs> you get hit with the chair. You run the other way. This lead, this whole build leads to SummerSlam. You see, though, but I can talk to JP and I. We'll, we'll, instead of getting in like a cage match, we'll have a KFC eat off. <laughs> first. I'm down. Bones, bones fall anywhere, match. You know exactly. <laughs> At this point here, my bones break anywhere, match. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, what's your favorite part about doing a comedy show? Is it being on stage? Is it the camaraderie? Is it the going out after? The first two things, especially going out, is fun. But um, the the being on stage is a rush. You know, if you're in front of a bunch of people and you're having one of those nights where everything is rolling and you're just you're you are directing traffic here, you're doing something that it almost feel like you were predestined to do. And you can get that. That feeling is is just irreplaceable. Now, you would I mean? you prefer a crowd that knows you when you walk on stage or would you prefer a crowd that doesn't know you when you walk on stage and kind of you wow them, you catch them? Well, I would be quite honest. I don't have very many shows where everybody knows me. Um, so, but I've heard that talked about, and there's there's something to be said 
for knowing that you got something that's going to get them, but they don't know yet. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Now, I will imagine that in the few times that I've gone on stage where people were hyped to see me, that that feels great, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a rush. That's a rush. And I've worked with comics much bigger names than mine who have audiences that when they just know they're in the same building, the crowd is ready to ignite. And that, and just the sort of, I feed from, I feel that energy coming off, and that feels great, you know. So this, to me, I mean, both of them are awesome, but yeah, there is something to be said for like, you go on stage, nobody knows who you are, they know what they want you to do, and you have something in your back pocket that they're just <laughs> not ready for. Yeah, you're about to hit them in the face with it. Yeah. No, I've done a few open mics myself. I've done. I'm trying. Consider myself a what's the word I want to use? Like a, like a. Back I'm funny comedian. Amongst my amongst my peers, I tend to be somewhat humorous. Okay. And I tried the open mics a few times, and I never heard. I never got the buzz. Now I've heard from a few different people I've known. A couple people I know you you worked with in the past, Kyle Plouffe and Jay Hollingsworth. Oh yeah, I thought uh, talking to them and like when you got it, when you get in there and you start rolling, you're gonna hear the buzz. You're just gonna hear it. You're not gonna feel the buzz and think you're feeling good. You're gonna physically hear it. Right now, if you if, obviously, I'm guessing you might you must have heard it. Oh yeah, like you can feel the energy coming up out of these people that they're really into what you're saying. Oh my god, yeah. And then if you look around and you see, because like if it's a big show and it's a big crowd, it's hard to see past like the second or third row because of the lights. But you catch the you catch the eyes of the people in the front on the second row, and there's a connection there that can't be duplicated outside of that moment. Like there's that connection where like you're taught if there's a big crowd, the teaching is that you look over the crowd. Because comics are like, where should I look? Where should I be? When you're new. But they go, look over the crowd. Because if you look over the crowd, it appears to the crowd. That you're looking at them directly, yeah. You know what right. I'm saying. And there's a, there's that there's that instant connection. But what I also like to do is I like to connect with somebody up close too. And that guy or girl, whoever it is, for my set, will be like my sidekick. Like I might I might not talk to them the whole set, but every now and again I might be like, you know, I might say something like, yeah. So anyway, guys, you ever been to Walgreens? Hey, hey, Bryce, you know how crazy Walgreens is, right? Like some just me and Bryce have a thing and it makes it more personable for that person and everyone else because you think, oh, she's just up there chilling. Now, how do you, Bobby D in the chat, he, I, I put this up and then I took it down because you started sort of telling the story. He wants to know how you pick that person. Random. I mean, it could be somebody that, you know, that you just you happen to look at the crowd and maybe there's an immediate connection. Maybe you're doing a set where you ask a question and that person answers it and then you have that open. And, I mean, there's no real rhyme or reason to it. It can be a different reason depending yeah, on the we, show. Me mm-hmm. and Joe got kind of used like that. You're in uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan did one. Okay. And the guy who was promoting it was uh, a local manager at one point. So I was talking to him at one point. And I just said, hey, I help out at shows. I know who you are, blah, blah, blah. And there was a drunk group of guys that kept, they weren't heckling them, but during the Q&A, they were just being fucking idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So he'd be like, he'd be feeding us questions to ask Hacksaw. So the whole thing was like Hacksaw and us having a conversation about random stories about Andre the Giant farting in an um, elevator in Japan full of Japanese people. <laughs> You know, and stuff, and that was pretty cool, like for us, because I remember that now, and it sort of kept the show away from because we were on the opposite side of the, where those other guys were sitting too, so yeah. it brought the attention off of that side of the room a little. So shit, that had to be a hell of an elevator situation. Andre <laughs> <laughs> the giant fart, right? With the, you think about the there goes my camera, guys. Yeah, it's TIW, Technical Issues Weekly. Um, but you think about that in um, in Japan, and how tall is the Japanese guy compared to Andre the Giant? And yeah, where's Andre that far going? That far's going right to the nose. That's <laughs> an elevator full of like Japanese guys just laid out on the floor. I'm actually now wondering about their safety. Like, did they survive the ride up? <laughs> now, have you had a joke that you wrote that you didn't think was going to hit, but that hit better, like way better than you expected? Or vice versa. Well, the other side of it happens quite frequently. Um, the not knowing, if it'll, not knowing if it'll hit and it'll hit, that happens a lot. You never know, because audience are different. Audiences are different. You know, I was told early on, like, try a joke. If a joke doesn't work once, don't give up on it. You know, you got to let that go a bunch of times before you decide maybe this just isn't a joke for me. You know, so there have been a lot of instances where I didn't think a joke was going to hit and all of a sudden it hit. Plus, the way I operate is I'm this is me. You know, comics are different. Other comics are different. Uh, every, well, I should say everyone's different. Um, My mind is like, I won't do a bit until I a lot of times personally feel the bit. So okay. I've had jokes in my notebook for a couple of years that I just didn't try. And then one day randomly I'm on stage and doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter the situation. All of a sudden I'm just like, my brain's like, let's do it. And then we'll see what it is. You know, so that, that happens. There's like, I, there's no specific bit I can pull out and tell you that, man, I didn't think this was going to be anything. And then all of a sudden everyone loved it. Cause I don't know, but I know that it's happened a bunch. Now the other way, well, you have something and you go, man, I'm going to tear these motherfuckers up. <laughs> and then you go on stage and you do the joke and you're like, huh? And the crowd's like, no. When that happens, do you sort of rearrange your set? Like, do you have a, I, I guess, a comeback joke? Um, No. I mean, I'll just go on to the next thing, whatever it is, and see how that rocks. Um, but yeah, there are instances where people will have a bit like, okay, man, if this falls flat, I got to go right to this. Um, right. I don't necessarily do that. Um, I don't knock anyone who does. Uh, I, uh, here's the thing. I do not mind a joke bombing. Okay. I am more than okay with that. Now, I can't say that was me in the beginning, you know, because everyone wants to be funny. But you learn to be comfortable in the moment, right? Because you realize when I learned that not everyone's not gonna dig me. It's just it doesn't matter how good I am. 
just comedy is subjective. I mean, subjective, right? Yeah. So a crowd will dig me, and the next crowd might not. So I don't sweat bad shows anymore. And not because I don't think I could be bad, because I've totally been bad on stage before. I've, it's happened. It, it, it can happen, it'll happen again. But what I don't sweat anymore is being bad. So that means I'll try anything. Like, I don't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll say whatever on stage. The silence, and Dave Chappelle said this one time. Dave Chappelle was like, man, silence means they're listening. And that's like, yes, because if they don't like you like you, they'll tell you. I've had my favorite heckle of all time was a heckle that I wasn't meant to hear. And I was on stage and I was opening for Tommy Davidson. Who is an amazing talent? Oh yeah. Um, I'm open for Tommy Davidson, and I was doing yeah. I wasn't doing great, but I was doing yeah. And I was wrapping my setup, and I said, "All right, guys, uh, you guys ready for your headliner? I'm, I'm gonna do my last joke." And then there was two guys sitting over here who didn't think I could hear him, and they one guy looked at the other one and was like, "It's about goddamn time." <laughs> <laughs> And I just thought it was hilarious because he said under his breath with such conviction. And in my head, I was like, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> you should have said it out loud. Ah, yeah, but no one else. It would have just been between the three of us. Like, That's... no one else. I don't think anyone else heard it. It was just like those <laughs> two guys said it to each other or one said to the other. And I just, I was there. I heard it, you know. What's it like when you get the call that you're going to open up for Tommy Davidson or someone like that? Oh, yeah. It's exciting. I mean, is that... Obviously, like that doesn't happen to everybody. Not everyone gets that call. I mean, you know? to a certain level, there's things, there's people that'll call you, hey, do you want to work with so-and-so over here? And it's all it's obviously great to work with people like that because, obviously, like Tommy Davidson's a legend. Right. So work right. with Tommy Davidson is just... Uh, a blast and he couldn't have been a nicer guy you know what i'm saying um you know he was really cool and but yeah your 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 hype to work with i'm like yeah, i grew up watching living color like you know what i mean like i'm hype you know i've gotten to work i mean i've gotten to work with quite a few people dane cook when you know in, in like the the dane cook when it yeah. was the Dan Cook show, you know, 05. I was never, like, and I get people that love Dan Cook. He doesn't do the one thing I like a comedian to do, though. What's that? Tell a fucking joke. I disagree. Now let's, he, tells, this is... he tells stories that are funny. Right. And I think he's great in movies. I never liked his stand-up. And that's a fair point, so I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise. But I will say... That I think a lot of Dane gets lost to people in his antics. He's so animated on stage. Right. I think a lot of people lose. Like I listen, or I listen to in any of my work. I listen to him, and forget all the hey, all that stuff. Dane Cook, his use of the language is one of my, he's one of my favorite. Like he just chooses the words he chooses are. Um, so fucking beautiful. And at the time, the only other comedian I felt that used random language better than him was Dave Chappelle. 
in that okay. in that sort of time. But I I mean he's got the animation and he's crazy and he's wild. Yeah. But if you he's he is constructing some fire material, what? you know. But I what? get it. I get it. And Dave's I, the kid in school where you're like, hey, would he sit down and oh, go girls looking at him? You know, um yeah. I, I remember I remember um watching David Tell once and there were some girls in the front row who looked like they were college age. And he David Tell was like, You guys didn't expect me. I you couldn't have um, I think you guys were a week early for Dan Cook. <laughs> I think Dan Cook is a genius like- for the way he promoted his stuff in the beginning. Like he used iTunes doing sing putting single jokes on iTunes with like a song before anyone else was doing anything like that. Napster. He was doing that. Napster. That's, he was yeah. using Napster. I think a lot of this shit, a lot of the social media shit owes a lot of gratitude to Dan Cook. Yeah. When you look at the rise of Twitter and the rise of Instagram and all, now it's the place where you go. Yeah. Dan was doing it before everybody. Right. I got to tell you, like with Dan Cook, for me, I like his act. I like his comedy. I get it. But I'm kind of pissed off at him. Okay. Because he's over there. He's funny. And he's good looking. And right. you get me over here. I'm just a fucking pimple on the ass of the earth. Like he, he He's too pretty to be able to be funny. It's not fair to ugly guys like me. All right, check it out. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this, and I'm not trying to be insulting at all to anyone. Dan Cook's not that pretty. Um, Dan Cook's at, his attitude is it makes him pretty. I have I know a girl. This girl I used to I used to be, I have a crush on. Um, she never loved me back. But I was I was going to open for Dan Cook, right? And I was like, you want you know you want to come by check it out meet him. And she loved Dan Cook. She loved Dan Cook. And she thought he was the hottest. Um, so he's so hot. <laughs> and I so I take her to the show. And then like after Dan couldn't have been, he's the coolest fucking guy. And um I introduced I introduced her to him and they talked for a few minutes. And then she came back to me and she was like, you know, up close he's not that hot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I'm not trying to disdain Dane. I listen, yeah, ladies oh, love Dane, yeah. but Dane, Dane is Dane carries himself. Look, man, you know how attraction works. Like, yeah. if 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 it were about my looks, I'd never get a girl's number. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. It's girls like personality. Girls like you know they're better than us when it comes to that because guys are completely physical <laughs> with their attraction. You know, um, I don't care how funny Oprah is, and you know, but. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But like it's for it's such a different thing. And he Dane always carried himself like the quarterback of the football team. Man, hold and hold that on. is attractive. I would do Oprah if I get my own private island too. All right. Yeah, that's I'd a good do point. Oprah just to say I did Oprah. And yeah. another great point. You know, like, <laughs> so let's take that off the table. Oprah, if you're listening, <laughs> me and you will have it, baby. My we phone can make <laughs> Hit me, hit me in my DMs, Oprah. Yeah. Like getting, back, getting back to Dane again for a quick minute. Yeah. You see how he dresses on stage. He, he presents himself with the with the dress suit coat, at the style of showing his slacks. And you can see comedians will go towards their audience, I guess, will gear themselves. He was big in the frat crowd to start off. I like think that it's the other way around. I think that he 
was who he was, and that's the audience he attracted. Yeah, all right, yeah, but but that's what I mean. I'm not. I wasn't trying to say he dressed that way to get that crowd. That's how he dressed, and that's where he became big. And yeah, the other comedians that are up there, and the, you know, the T-shirt they pulled out of the drawer today might not even be clean. And, and but he also doing the thing, and it, they don't care. Dan Cook wasn't also always doing my thing. He also wasn't always doing arenas. Dan Cook did yeah. play frat houses at one point. You know, I mean, we all do the college shows. Everybody does the college so, circuit. And that's a big part of what blew him up because of the, his style. Right. And he was a young guy, and he was doing the colleges, and he was the way he was was so attractive to that audience that became his dominant fan yeah. base. Now, there's other people that dug him too, but that was his dominant fan base. Yeah. It shows when I worked with him. You know, this was like in 05, Like I was saying, I did a couple of times. I did I opened for him two different times, and this was the kind. This is right before the, like arenas for him. You know, uh, so he was still nice. doing the comedy connection in Faneuil Hall, and that yeah. place holds. I think the connection hold held like five hundred seats, and he would do seven, eight show weekends, all sold out. I right. mean, and it was just it was bananas. He needed security to walk him from the stage oh, to wow. the green room. Yeah. You know, it was insane. The atmosphere, the energy, um, uh, in that room was absolutely crazy absolutely insane you couldn't it was it was it was a time sometimes i'll be sitting around bored and i'll think about that and i'll be like god damn that was <laughs> now, a fucking crazy time how was your how was your social media game like are you on twitter i would think twitter would be huge for a comedian twitter's fun i'm on twitter i'm on twitter a lot What's i don't really name? get on facebook i'm at l pizzle so, a, I mean, so at L P I Z Z L E. Yeah. Get a hold of them. Yeah. At L Pizzle and on Instagram at L Pizzle 12. So at L Pizzle 1 2. And that's just because I wanted L Pizzle. Someone had L Pizzle and L Pizzle 12 was one of the like, they give you, hey, what about this one? Yeah. So I just chose that one because I'm lazy and I didn't feel like thinking about anything. So it's LB 12 instead of TV 12 now. Yeah, LP. LP twelve, LP twelve, LP twelve, yeah. Let's get a TB twelve. Fuck him. He he's got slightly more Super Bowl rings than me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only, listen, just a few. Yeah, I'm only down only, by seven. Right, only seven. That seven's a low number. That's, That's a single digit. It's crazy. Hey, it would be Bobby eleven Boucher if it wasn't for team. So can Lamont Price. Better believe it. <laughs> no. Lamont, I know you know pandemic wise and stuff. There's not a whole lot going on. Anything at all show wise yet, or have you? Has, has there been any buzz on shows starting back up or anything like that? I've done one outdoor event since I've been like vaccinated, if you will. Um, but other than that, things are slow going. I'm taking my time, kind of. You know, I, I don't trust everything, so it, uh, I think eventually, within a few months, if things go right. You know, I'll, I'll be back out more full time. But right now, I know we were talking earlier and you asked me about traveling. I have nothing on the horizon as far as traveling right now. You know, it's just kind of slowly getting more comfortable with being around yeah. people, being on stage again without thinking about the what ifs of me being on stage. You know, and that'll take a little time. I mean, everyone works at their own pace. But right. for me, I'm just kind of trying to 
you know, I'm going to tiptoe back into it. And then when I'm back full throttle, you'll know what's up. But now if yes. you get back into it and they say you have to wear a mask on stage, how much do you think that would hinder you? It won't because I've done that. Okay. I did I've... the show I did. I wore a mask on stage and I was going to take it off because I was far enough away from the crowd where I felt like it was fine. <laughs> but I spoke into the mic before I took the mask off just instinctively. And then I was like, oh, I can really, this, this carries. And I asked the crowd, you guys hear me well? And they were like, yeah, I can hear you great. I was like, fuck it. I have the mask on. That's, I've, uh, I actually pitched to a wrestling promoter because some of the shows are starting to come back around that he take his top heel and have the heel insist fans wear a mask around him. <laughs> and now, so now, this guy can go out and buy a, a $5 bag of 30 masks, sell them for a buck a piece, and autograph them. Now you got the heel over as a heel. The fans are going to hate it, but they're going to pay the buck for the autograph mask, and you just made twenty five bucks like that off of one box of masks. And he got it. And his catchphrase could be, uh, "There goes that mask man." That's yeah. so. But yeah, that Lamont. I hope to see you back on. We're coming. We're wrapping up. Coming back down to the hour now. Okay. Uh, I hope to see you back on on stage, guys. Check out El Pizzle on Twitter, on El Pizzle 12, on uh, Instagram. Guy's hysterical. Go on YouTube, look up his stuff. Or go find, I mean, where have you done the specials? You've done the Comedy Central stuff, right? I mean, I, I did that one of the things. I don't have any specials on Comedy Central, but, I mean, you can find a lot of the stuff I've done on YouTube. Okay. You know, so just search so, my name and it should pop up pretty easy. You, you will be entertained. Yes, sir. Lamont, right. you have any parting words for the fans? Uh, I yeah, I just want to say, guys, you know, the guys who participated, keep smoking, uh, keep enjoying <laughs> wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Uh, send me suggestions for what my move should be. That'll do. I'm still digging the double arm DDT, but if you got anything I haven't thought of, you know, maybe a, uh-huh. maybe a sidewalk slam, maybe a brain buster. I don't know. F5 is taken, so I can't do that. Oh, get uh, back to the no, you do the double on DDT, but you call it the El Pizzle Fizzle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just you know, hit my Instagram up, check out my stories. It's Halloween season. I'm a big Halloween fan. Uh okay. so the season for me has begun mentally. And uh yep, yeah, I'm all my Instagram stories are gonna be Halloween related for the next three months. Nice. So uh check that shit out if you're into that kind of goofy stuff. And you know, say what's up. All right, and uh, I'm going to speak for JP and Lamont, and I'll tell you all, see you next Thursday.